Hi, and welcome back to the Mission Minded Podcast. I'm Jim Tingler, co-host with John Spin. Hello, Jim. How you doing today, John? I'm all right. Good to be here. These intros are kind of fun because we just actually wrapped up the podcast, and so it's a little bit reflective. That's right. It's nice to be able to do the intro after the it's yes. already happened. Yeah, so it was a great <clears throat> conversation. Uh, 68-year-old missionary, uh, spent almost 40 years on the field in Japan. Mm-hmm and is uh, still continuing the work back stateside. That's correct. And you have a connection with this gentleman by the name of Joel Kaufman. I, I do. He's from Iroquois County, Illinois, small, 35,000 people in the whole county. Um, born in the same hospital I was born in, Woodseek, Illinois. So Man, big, big things happening in that area. <laughs> For sure. So he mentioned that your uh, parents actually supported him for many years. Yes, they did. They did. And we and kind of heard the stories and kind of followed them as we grew up. And Yeah. Probably had their picture on your refrigerator or something? Probably. Yeah. We have a picture of them. I, when I go home, I see a picture of their family in my parents' house on their refrigerator. So That's cool. You want to say hi to your parents that probably listen? Sure. Hello, Mom and Dad. I know you're probably going to watch this. So That's good. <laughs> good stuff. Appreciate you, John. Well, thanks, and, uh, Jim. Appreciate, appreciate you. you. Yeah, we appreciate Joel Kaufman joining us today Absolutely. on this podcast. And without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to Mission Minded, the podcast where we explore outside the box thinking and carrying out Christ's Great Commission. On this week's episode, we are joined by missionary Joel Kaufman. Our sponsor for today's podcast is Dignity Roasters Coffee. Locally roasted and packaged by the distressed to fuel each day. Dignity Roasters was born through a passion to partner with the distressed and the desire of bringing the universally loved beverage of coffee to your hands. To order your own coffee or to learn more about Dignity Roasters, visit their website at DignityRoasters.com. Now here's your host, Jim Tingler and John Spin. Hey Joel, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's good to have you today. It's a real privilege to be on a Pod, this is my first podcast. I've, I've never done it before. It's so ours too. Oh, hey, we're, we're trying to figure it out as we go as well. So you're good. You're in good company. So we appreciate having you on today. We had a little bit of a connection to make this happen. John? That's true. Yeah. So what's the what's the connection if you want to introduce well, Joel? Well, it goes and, back to Iroquois County, Illinois. We had, I mean, earlier on the podcast, we've had Kim Smith and um, been a family friend for many years. And, um, Joel, uh, you, you'll hear about his, um, time as a missionary and, uh, my, my parents, um, just kind of following your story growing up. Um, and you're related to my friend, Billy Kaufman as well, who came to visit iTech not too long ago. And, um, and, uh, yeah, more recently we we're able to see you guys a few months ago, um, visiting, um, and just seeing the work that you're doing there among international students at, at, in Lafayette. And so, um, yeah, excited about um, our listeners to get to hear more about the work that, you know, your story and the, and the work, that, how God's continuing to write that story and the work that you're doing today. So, good stuff. Thanks again. This is, this is exciting. So, Joel, uh, why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself, maybe share about your, your own personal journey and, and the work that you're doing. 
So I was born in Johnstown, actually, Watsika, Illinois. And uh, I, uh, my family was, you know, taking me to what these um, child evangelism camps and good news clubs and of course, vacation Bible schools. And actually my mom really always, you know, was reading tracks to me. You know, one of the things she read before I went to school oftentimes was like um, newsletters of persecuted Christians in various countries, you know, before I went to school. And it it, it really did give me a, a real sense that, I don't know, my education was really just, small compared to the big plan God had for the whole world, you know? Mm. So I, I do consider her to be, you know, my real discipler, you know, led me to Christ. And then, um, she was the one who filled out the papers for me to, 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 I never knew about Wheaton college, you know, I did, and, and, uh, <clears throat> actually I, I'm pretty sure Steve Saint was, was in a Bible study that I was in with some other Wheaton guys, you know, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was a great time, 71, 75. But that while would, I was there. I was going to say that would help, you know, maybe clarify your age to the listeners that might right. not be watching you. So. I'm going on 68. Wow. So, and yeah. I was curious, how old were you when your mom was reading that, those letters? Well, you know, grade school. I mean, hmm. I mean, she read stuff all the time you know so wow. and, and we started a little bible church and um so we had missionaries coming through our house and through church all the time you know i mean uh these missionaries really did have a big influence in my life but spiritual mentors did too you know and it kept me kept me pure i mean i i was i was very aware of of um you know what was out there and I really did want my life to count for God, you know? So I, I think those early decisions were very important for my life. And and then at Wheaton, I got involved with some outreach at Northern Illinois University. The Huskies. And it planted a seed, uh, it, huh? The Huskies. Okay, and, and that planted a seed in my heart for, wow, this is really great. Cause I, I, I was thinking about, you know, going into medicine, but I, I just wasn't there you know organic chemistry was just i don't, know, that I don't was gonna blame you on that take one. me to a level i was not ready that's, for that's and i was great, troubled yeah that's the great weed out course right well sure sure it is but i didn't know what i was going to do you know because i was trying to fulfill up um expectations of others hmm. so you know i fasted and prayed one day and i said you know lord what should i do and it's almost like a voice not quite but this is like God saying, well, what do you want to do? So I want to influence people for Christ. Hmm. And the interesting thing was it, it was like this Holy Spirit voice came back, you know, then do it, you know. Hmm. And I switched majors, got into Bible. And when I graduated uh, from Wheaton, I went to Illinois State University and immediately got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, mm -hmm. uh, did a summer out in San Bernardino with their Institute of Biblical Studies, and came back. Actually, the next year, InterVarsity asked me if I'd, I was kind of, an, I was just working at Mennonite Hospital, security guard, 
and uh, supporting myself and being a volunteer and they needed someone. So I joined InterVarsity Christian Fellowship as a full-time associate staff member. And um, it was a wonderful three years. And during that time, I went overseas to uh, Ireland with Greater Europe Mission, Summer Project, and went to a lot of mission conferences in Urbana's and all, you know, and, and, and I remembered all those early promises I had made, you know, when I was a kid, you know, saying, Lord, I, I want to be a missionary, you know, and, and so finally, um, what was it? Uh, the, the big turn for me was, um, my dad died of a heart attack and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they sold the farm and it's kind of, you know, like, I don't know. I was a real home. I real. I liked being in my home farm, and it was being taken away from me. And I thought, well, you know, now's the time for me to, you know, continue to do what I was supposed to do. And so, at that point, um, during the blizzard of what was it, seventy eight, or you know, December, there, I wrote a letter to a missionary I'd met who came through to our church and she was from Japan and, and she wrote a seven page letter to me, basically, you know, telling me all the reasons why um, Japan was really needy. I, I didn't know it then, but I do now how needy it is. It's the second biggest unreached people group in the world. Hmm. And uh, the thing about the Japanese that I didn't know is that they had no concept of a creator. They had a 200 year long Holocaust where, that where all the Christians were destroyed and every Bible in the whole archipelago was mm. destroyed. And, and, uh, then when the first missionaries got there in the 1870s, 1860s, 1870s, you know, they arrived late compared to India or compared to China or compared to Africa or the rest of the world, they were there really late. And by that time, the elite of Europe and America were also arriving same time and telling the, 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 the elite, uh, people on top of Japan society, you don't want to believe these missionaries. They're just telling you fables, myths, will teach you true science. And so they introduced evolution as fact, not theory, fact. And the Japanese that made all the textbooks for Japan just took it, hook, line, and sinker. In fact, Darwin's Origin of the Species was published first in Japan. Wow. And so the Japanese had now uh, this, this glove that fit Buddhism and Shintoism perfectly because Shintoism and Buddhism did not have a real scientific explanation for how the world came about. And the other closest thing they had was the sun goddess stirring the stick in the Japan sea and lifting up the stick and wherever the mud fell, that was the Japanese islands, but no, hmm. um, no story of the whole world or anything like that. You know, that, that was the closest thing they had. Well, and, and so, yeah. Oh, no, I did. I just, one of the things that, just wanted to pause as you said unreached because typically you know primitive sense of missions is you know people often think very humanitarian of missions as poverty you know go live in a grass hut and provide medical right. care for people in in africa for example but right you know right. like like this idea of you know when we talk about the unreached we don't you know japan is a, a developed country it's but but it's it's a you know spiritually it's a dark place and so just just this idea of missions is about you know reaching the lost not necessarily about you know uh, uh, we typically think of missionary often think of it you know poverty stricken you know but it's a 
I think it's it's important, you know, thinking about you know missions and and lostness, and you know what, what you've said about Japan. You know, it isn't what people often think about. You know, but but like you said, the the spiritual darkness, the you know the the low, very low percentage of evangelical Christianity in in that country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, the Japanese are very successful and they've got a good medical system. In fact, a lot of Japanese want to have their medical work done back in Japan. They don't, they don't trust America, (laughs) but it's true. They all do if they can. So they're very satisfied and it's a beautiful place. I mean, those mountains are just gorgeous, you know, and actually most of China uh, knows about how beautiful Japan is. So they all spend their holidays, people from Taiwan, Hong Kong, Singapore, the whole Pacific Rim goes to Japan for holidays. You know, it is, it's a great place. And, and so I didn't think of that. Let me tell you, when I was thinking about going to team candidate school, I, I, of course, I went to Wheaton, so I knew about team. And I went to a candidate school there where I happened to meet a whole bunch of great uh, Japan missionaries. And um, boy, they inspired me. Mm-hmm. But uh the night that I was really making the final speech, I, I stood up in front of that crowd. I could not say anything. I was speechless. And God, he really, he really spoke to me. I mean, it's, it's like I, I, I made a real commitment um, in a very amazing place. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't control myself. I mean, I, I knew, you know, I wanted to be a missionary and everything, but well, the whole thing was a lot bigger than I was. And I suppose speaking in front of a group of people that are very amazing humbled me you know and i got serious with god i really did uh, that i went to a, a place where nobody was and I, I i poured out my heart to god i made a commitment there and and that wasn't the end, because months later, when I finally arrived in Japan, I was not prepared for the obstacles, the mountain, learning a language. Mm-hmm. I was so lonely. I went single, you know, as a career missionary. Never been to Japan before. Didn't know any Japanese. The only Japanese I knew was Ohio, because I was, because I was Ohio, you know, the state of Ohio. <laughs> Now, let me tell you, that was about the only word that the two languages have in common. And So how old were you at this point? Just curious. I was 27. 27. 27. Okay. okay. working with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at Illinois State for four years or three years in Crusade One. But anyway, um, no, I, I, I just was so lonely. And um, the interesting thing was that I started writing all these postcards uh, to people, you know, 
back in America just to keep the connection. And and all, to all these students at Illinois State University of Illinois and, you know, Wheaton and every place else, you know. And it was good. You know, I, I, I made it, but I was really lonely. One day I came across an address that a former roommate had given to me. And he was from my hometown, Bloomington, Illinois. And he State farm. ended up... Yeah, right. He ended up marrying the girl who had become my sister-in-law. So this this sister-in-law, this sister said, "Oh, you know, when you go to Japan, you should meet Sally." You know. Oh, so I, I came across her address in the pile of addresses. By the way, the people that ran the Japanese language school for team were very concerned because Joel was writing a lot of letters home. Just you know, flooded the, the post office was just constantly you know going, and. So one of these postcards was to Sally and she was in another city in Japan. And so she writes back, gives me her phone number and I call her and, um, I, you know, I, I said, you know, I roomed with your, your sister's husband, you know, and before they got married. And, and um, so another missionary and her we're going to go visit another missionary and they invited me to come along on the trip. And that was the beginning of how we met in Japan. And, and that was, it was like, I admit I was a bit impulsive because she was going to go back into an ASP program at Moody Bible Institute and was leaving in two months. And, and I really didn't want to lose her. And, and so uh, I wrote a letter to her father that she gave me dad's address or dad's address. And I wrote, I, you know, I, I know you don't know me, but I, I would like to marry your daughter. I, I'm, I'm very, I'm really praying about a relationship and I'd like to get your blessing. So he wrote back, since it's very difficult, but he did mention that we were distantly related, you know, so he knew, he knew about my family. So um, Sally goes to Moody, you know, and I, I had proposed to her. She comes, and I was then preparing to go back the following spring, and we were married in June, and then we went back to Japan in um, September. And that began 38 years in Japan. Wow. Uh, we started, we were, we started three churches with different people, but also helped, I don't know, dozens of other churches in central Japan, you know, the areas west of Tokyo. Wow. That's a great experience. Raised five children. In fact, I don't know if you can see this, but can you see this? I could see this. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know, John, did you ever have this on your refrigerator? I, I have seen that picture before. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's it. So... Quite the life. And the kids, I'll tell you, missionary life is amazing for children. You talk about educational experience. And they were homeschooled. They taught English. The neat thing was that, I was just thinking about this, you know, having the children with us for all those years. And we didn't have to send them off to a boarding school. Didn't have to send them to Tokyo. We could stay in the, the end of the train line across the Alps, the Japan Alps. They call them the Alps in Japan. Um, you know, at the end of the, the farthest reach on the Japan Sea facing North Korea and Russia. I mean, there we were in the snow country of Japan. I mean, we, we have seen it snow three feet in one night. 
Wow. Uh, and the, so you talk about great snowboarding and skiing and everything on that side. But but we had an English classroom, kind of a storage shed that we converted into an English classroom. And we had kids coming in, you know, four or five days a week. We taught hundreds of children and their mothers and all sorts of people in that little storage shed. So the kids all learned how to teach English as a second language, you know, hmm. and it was a really great experience for them. They all ended up being English teachers, you know, the girls and, and, and the guys too. So, yeah, well, I could say so much about how God blessed us during those years. Um, I am so thankful that I went to Japan. And now I've got a problem because I've got all these, I don't know, it's over a thousand names of Japanese that are really, really special. Hmm. That's great. So you, while you were there, you were focused on church planting. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And we've, uh, all the churches are in uh, underneath Japanese leadership. Mm-hmm. And team was really known to be a church planting mission. And um, we're very privileged to be with some amazing people, you know, over there. And I think that that's, um, you know, thankfully something, a trend that we're seeing shifting of people seeing, you know, the need for, you know, there's a there's still a place for the Western missionary to go, but always moving toward that, you know, the indigenous population taking over, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the history right. of iTech of, you know, Steve Saint working them on the Waldani and they were so used to foreigners coming in and doing things for them. But right. really it's you know, the thing about missions, the goal is to raise up and empower the indigenous believers and and allow them to really, you know, help them to really establish to be able to do ministry. Um take so ownership. Take ownership, you know. Right. Was that always the focus? Was that always your goal? We were Actually, originally, I was wanting to do work on a university campus, and I tried to different times, but mm-hmm. uh, as, as just doing evangelism and outreach. But I think team guided me in the early years to be underneath a veteran church planter, work with church planters. So from the very get-go, we were in church planting. And, mm-hmm. and we did that up to the last five years. And then something really interesting happened. Uh, my last 10 years, it was all the church plants were not easy. I mean, basically, there was it was averaged about 10 years per church plant in Japan. Wow. But the last five years, we, we didn't think we had enough time to really start a church. And one of the things you don't want to do is have a, a you know, a half produced or half baked cake. You know, it just, you know, you, you don't want to leave a church uh, undone for others to finish. And so we mentioned that to our leadership in, in every country, you know, leadership and your and your mission on your mission field are they're the people who really guide you and help you. And um, they actually gave us a new job, which was being head of the campground uh, in the number one resort of Japan. This is this resort is called Karuizawa. I'll spell it for anybody who's interested. K-A-R-U-I-Z-A-W-A, Karuizawa. And this town is where the emperor met his wife 
it's where the CEOs and the, the, the rich and famous of the whole country have their summer houses up in this place, 3,000 feet above sea level, uh, one hour bullet train ride out of Tokyo. And um, this place had an old church. And I wish I had a picture of the old church to show you. Um, if anybody's interested, I, I could, of course, I'd be happy to tell them all about everything in Japan. But this old church was called Karuizawa Union Church. And it was started by very famous people. The first missionaries were mostly Presbyterian, Methodist, and Lutheran missionaries. And the old denominational missionaries followed the train as far as it would go. And then they would climb up the mountain to this high plateau where they got together in the summer. And then when the German technology helped Japan build the railway up the mountains, then everybody was coming up there. And it, they wanted to make it like a Chautauqua of Japan, you know, the Christian Conference Center, no alcohol at all and, and no, no stores open on Sunday. It was just supposed to be a really Christian town. And the interesting thing was that all the, the Japanese who wanted to meet Westerners went up there and they would barter and exchange things and East met West up there. It was just amazing mm -hmm. that uh, the first, um, like uh, Edwin Reischauer, who was, uh, who was ambassador from America to Japan, his parents were Presbyterian missionaries and people like that taught the first Japanese how to play tennis in the very famous tennis court where the emperor met his wife. You know, and this is right across the street from this very old union church. So I'm that sorry for, no, but uh, that was, uh, so, but that was your assignment then was to, this is your Take last, okay. How do we start a retreat center, which was three minutes walk away from this place and just down two or three streets and you're at this five acre property that the mission got right after World War II for what, $5,000 or something, you know? And, and so then at this old church, I, I was always doing evangelism on the streets and Sally was really managing the center, Kadrizar Retreat Center. And I just happened to be in the church one day when I noticed people really looking at the genealogy of Jesus, which was a big poster on the back wall as you went out of the church. It was this big poster of the, you know, what, 4,000 or, yeah, 4,000 years of history. I'm sorry, 2,000 years. Of history, no, oh, four thousand. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to splice the tape <laughs> from Adam and Eve to Jesus, and and so, man, they were really everybody was stopping, really looking at it, really talking about it. So I, you know, it's kind of like Paul in Athens. You know, hey, this is the mm -hmm. altar to the unknown God here. This is gonna this is this gonna help to me you. make a bridge, and I had done that a lot. Throughout my time in Japan, I, I used tracks by really famous people printed by Word of Life Press, which was the, the biggest Christian publisher in Japan. Uh, Word of Life Press had made amazing tracks by really well-known people that had been on TV. And um, So you need bridges for people. You know, they, they, they need to put you in a box. They need to know where you're coming from. And, and if they know you're from a trustworthy orthodox, you know, orthodox kind of real Christianity and not a cult, uh, then they would trust you more. Not necessarily completely, but still they would trust you more, you know, because these people really. And I, I'd love to tell you about some of these really famous Japanese. 
But um, the poster at the back of the church was this, you know, thing I was really excited about. And it just so happened at that very same time, this famous comedian who'd been on countless advertisements and movies and he had his own TV show. He traveled around Japan seeing famous places. He was doing a documentary on our town. And so he comes into the church because the church is, you know, it's a famous place. He goes into the church. He always wore sunglasses and his name was Tamori. And Tamori says, well, ask me, this church is the reason for this town. This whole town started because of this church. You know, after he said that, I kid you not, I kept track in a journal because I was there every day. We had over 10,000 people, and this is just over a few years, and still there, I mean, I don't know how many more thousands have come just in the last several years, but uh, 10,000 came to see that church. So I was there, you know, greeting everybody and giving them a little tour of the church, and then on your way out, you say, oh, and this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Have you ever, do you know about Adam and Eve? You know about the first human beings? And most of them had, and then there you go. You know, you just start off from Adam and Eve and you tell the gospel story, you know, all the way to the, to Jesus Christ. You know, you, and by the way, Jesus was at the top of the genealogy, you know, so they're looking at Adam and Eve and then you go up the genealogy. There's low and behold, there's Jesus Christ. You know, you know, there it is. And you talk about, you know, the, what he did, what he said, you know, as a challenge to everybody on this podcast, I, I want to say, very few people in Japan had ever really heard that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, a lot of people think, oh, yeah, resurrection like spiritually or something. So what I had was this Avanja cube. I wanted to get the point across really strong. So this Avanja cube uh, was in my hand. And I said, you know, Jesus did miracles. And, and uh, they said, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that takes takes away the curse and, and you know, uh, destroys Satan and, and establishes your kingdom? And he said, yes, I am. And they said, no, you're a liar and deceiver. The Japanese would always, you know, kind of, yeah, liar, deceiver. <laughs> you know, they would be totally with me at that point. But I said, what, if you kill me, I'm going to rise the third day. And about that time, Every Japanese, I talked with thousands of Japanese. They were really with me. One guy would not leave. He was ready to leave, but he kept his head poked inside the door to hear what happened next. You know, so it's just like I pull out the Evangel cube and Jesus is on the cross. And I said, see, he told him he was going to rise. So then the next Evangel cube is Jesus' tomb surrounded by soldiers. I see they didn't want anything to happen to that body. And so they made sure they had soldiers around that tomb and they put a seal on that tomb. So no one would break that seal. If they did, they were they would have been crucified. And so then I say, but on the third day, and I just moved the Evangel cube. You guys have ever seen the Evangel cube? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know? And Jesus pops out of the tube. I mean, I've had people, wow, you know, they were just sort of surprised, you know. And it's just like, that was really exciting to say that again and again and again to thousands of people. And I haven't lost it, even now at Purdue University. I mean, I am still really making sure that we get this point dead across. The point is, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people, and they all went, 
to the ends of the earth. I tell Indian students, you know, and they all know about Southern India where Thomas went to. I talk about mm -hmm. Thomas and, you know, the whole thing. I just, I'm so excited to talk about the resurrection to everybody, you know, and that he's coming back and he's going to make a kingdom and he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. It's a very simple gospel message, you know, but <clears throat> anyway, now I've really gotten off the track. Well, well so, yeah, I think you were getting to the next chapter and that you know japan story is is wrapped up but you mentioned purdue university and that's where you yes. are now yeah and, and if i yes. could say one thing too um yeah you know you talked about a story that that connects with you, know, you think about missions you think about like don richardson and the peace child story of you know entering their culture and finding a way, you know, the Apostle Paul, you know, Mars Hill, you know, Acts 17, this, I'm going to make known to you this unknown God. And, and I think that's an important, you know, uh, contextualization of understanding the language and the culture enough where you can connect, you understand enough about their language and their culture that you can connect, you know, mm -hmm. you think about Philip and the Ethiopian, he began with that passage of scripture. And so right. I think that that's important as we think about missions and and how do we, you know, how do we communicate that? And so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Well, it's so exciting, John, if I can break in, is yeah. we had we had the perfect place because people trusted that church. It was built by really famous, respected Japanese, hmm. and they were all coming in there. So I had the turf, so to speak. I mean, yeah. I, well, I, had, or I had the position, you know, to they the were platform. listening to yeah. anything I would say. And then you'd give them a packet of like five or six things in a packet. They, everybody took it. You know, <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's yeah. funny you you mentioned. So it's kind of your transition here. You go, you went to Japan, hoping you could do international, you do do college ministry because that's right. what you've done, and then now right. your your world has flipped out. You you came back from Japan, and now you're right. doing now you're doing college ministry. That's right. So so yeah, if you could tell us about you know your your work that you're doing now and your 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 obvious transition from you know. So my daughter had an accident. Um, Abby hit a horse north of Fort Wayne, Indiana um, in 2016. And my wife and I were prepared for a funeral, really. I mean, she um, was so covered with horse, they didn't know what was Abby and what was horse. Fortunately, her Toyota car seat snapped and went down the, the horse ripped the whole top of the car off her. The driver um, kept the car on the road and managed to get out of the car and go to an Amish house that produced a cell phone that called an ambulance. Oh. And then the ambulance arrived within 20 or so, 30 minutes. And Abby was still amazingly breathing. She was still breathing and got to Parkview in North Fort Wayne there and I was hooked up, and for two and a half weeks, she was in semi, uh, you know, semi comatose, or she was induced coma, and survived, and then spoke, and then remembered, and then swallowed, and then walked, and then did rehab, and today she's married and lives in Madison. Wow, amazing, wow. and doing counseling, but that is why we got back to America, and. Um, I really knew that I wanted to be with international students. So it turns out our son is graduate of Purdue and engineer here in town. And so we 
came here to Lafayette, and we're really excited about the ministry of uh, of Casu Street Baptist Church and uh, Crosswalk Commons right on campus, and work how it works with international students. And even though COVID hit, we're still doing a lot of Zoom Bible studies with all the Asian students, and it's just wonderful. I think one of the things that I'm really thankful for is after having been in Japan so long, you know how to speak slowly and how to make simple sentences. And my Chinese say, oh, we can understand you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Well, it helps, you know. We have a couple guys around here that uh, we say you have to translate it twice. <laughs> First from uh, English and then the drain some some oil oil from the drain pan a little bit of a southern draw <clears throat> so <Right>. yeah <laughs> so yeah so you're can you explain the work that you're doing now at, at Purdue so because Crosswalk Commons has a lot of bicycles we have a lot of contacts with students all over campus and these are really good bikes and uh, we have a state-of-the-art bike shop that fixes I got a to lot see it bikes, you know yeah it, it's a great place and Lee Hargett Dana Gottfried are just excellent they could take a bike apart take it all the way down to the main axle you know and pack the bearings and everything and yeah they they're they're great and real servants and uh, Paul Briggs uh Sarah they're doing a great job and they all had mission experience and been overseas and so we've made contacts with a lot of people and um, working on bikes. Well, for me, I have done farm tours. And can I get a picture on here? Is there a way to? You probably can. Um, can you reverse it? Well, so but then see. the listeners, a lot of our listeners wouldn't be it. able to see it. Okay, so well, maybe try to. It. Yeah. So I do farm tours and. I know farmers north and west of Lafayette, and I take international students uh, to see all these farmers to you know ride tractors and combines and nice. see their operations and and then make contacts through these farm tours and then invite them to Bible studies and um, other tours. Like we take a lot of people to the Creation Museum in Kentucky, and I have found that that Creation Museum is amazing because in one trip, you know, you're talking all the way out, orienting them a little bit to the museum. And then at the museum, you can see the whole history of the world, the, the biblical history of the world, really fast in, an, in a museum. And um, they have really turned in their thinking. Uh, one of them said, Thanks to that museum, he changed his whole opinion about the Bible hmm. and uh, and its biblical history. And my point is to really focus on the flood and the catastrophe that it was, starting from well, really focusing on 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 that, especially you know you can prove the flood a million ways, a billion ways. What, all these billions of dead things buried, laid down by water all over the world. I mean, you know, it was catastrophe, you know. Oh, I can go on and on about that and get me going about creationism too, you know. But anyway, I better not now. 
I think one of the key things that that stands out um, is that you're you, you mentioned 68 years old, right? Yes. Well, we we live in Central Florida, and and John, how do you explain it? People the land in? of the newlyweds and the nearly deads. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and they come down to Florida to. How do you yeah, do? it's often. Um, it's it's like what John Piper talks about on the back cover of Don't Waste Your Life. You know, people, this couple, yeah. it's a Reader's Digest story about a couple that took early retirement to collect seashells and play softball. And so, yeah. you know, we're surrounded by people, you know, I think about in my neighborhood of it's, it's, it's a sad existence for many of them because it's just – um, there's, it's a, it's like what Chuck Colson talked about in uh, how now shall we live? You know, some of the most depressed people you'll ever meet are in Naples, Florida, because yeah. they've worked their whole life thinking that this is the pinnacle. Hmm. This is retirement. This is a chance for me to just focus on me and do whatever I want to do and not, you know, and so when I think about a message for our listeners of somebody like yourself, who's 68 years old. Um, you know, rather than, you know, winding down, looking how to, you know, take a knee and, and, and run out the clock on life. You're, you're, you're look you're taking your language skills that you have from your time in Japan and you're intentionally, you know, implanting yourself in a community where you can have a unique ministry opportunity with international students. And so that, that's more the message that we want, you know, for our listeners to say, you know, whatever, see, you know, don't waste your life was written for kind of young people and people at the end of their career of, you know, God's not done with you. God, whatever season you're in, God has something for you and, and, mm-hmm. and, and really seeking that out and, you know, just, you know, searching out, you know, seeking after God and what he might have for you in, in whatever season of life, you know, we're in. The Bible has so much to say about the foreigner, the stranger, and they were supposed to be educated by uh, Israel, you know, about the laws of God and, and treated with justice and fairness. And and I think we have a responsibility to reach out to all the people that are coming to America. The world is coming to us. Mm-hmm. And the neat thing is that many of these people are coming from very hard to reach areas. I have one family, they're Muslim, and we're going through Genesis, and it's it's totally exciting. And we started going on farm tours, they loved it. And then we went to the Creation Museum, they liked that, and, and then they said they wanted to study the Bible, and now we're on Zoom, you know, once a week. So it's it, it just comes from making friendships and and letting people know you love them and, and uh, want to be their friend and and then everything happens you know just so naturally so what message do you have for the western church yeah i i really want to underscore that statement that the world is coming to america and we have people in america who are from unreached people groups mm. like the japanese you know and these people are totally wide open. Do you know in that second and first church plant, we had people who were reached for Christ in America by people, you know, 
uh, I never will forget uh, suddenly meeting these young people. One had been converted in Colorado, another one Wabash College, you know, Indiana, Indiana. another one uh, Oregon, uh, another one, you know, um, Carbondale, uh, Southern Illinois University. Okay, so they come back to Japan, and they're needing discipleship, and they need they they. They must be followed up. We were so blessed, and they helped us get that church off the ground. That's great. So these were Japanese who had come to the U.S. as students, heard the gospel, responded, came back to Japan, and these were the people who were Yeah, they were baptized. Yeah, some of them were even baptized in America, you know. Hmm. This is totally exciting, you know. And that church, it would have taken so much longer had they not been part of that group to help us get that church off the ground you know that's great so and especially for the muslim world i I really feel like we need to work hard you know there's a lot of muslims and they love making friends they're just wanting friends so bad um it's um it's wonderful you know you can make a friend and our girls in Japan actually had Pakistani neighbors. And there we were in Japan with Pakistanis living right next to us. Our kids found out all about Islam. You know, yeah. it was wonderful. It was very educating. Wow. So Joel, how could people be praying for you and your ministry today? So I think we need workers on all these campuses across America, but in all these big medium-sized cities across America too. Uh, Let's pray that God raises up people who really see very open people right under their noses. A lot of us are thinking, oh, America has so many people that hate the, what the, what do they call it now? The the national tr- or the the new term for the evangelicals, you know, evangelicals are are the danger zone. You know, people don't, don't want to talk to us or whatever. But you know, there's a lot of people in America that are totally just wanting a friend, someone who mm. will listen to them, mm. and they're all around us. They're mm. all around us, and especially the foreigner and the stranger. And the people that don't quite fit the mold, you know, but but that includes every, a lot of people. So I think we need to pray for each other, hmm. you know, at this point, really, you know, to to see the love fields. People. Yeah, love the, the people. Jesus did. Yeah. yeah, lift up your eyes. Look at the, har- the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. They're ripe. Yeah. Oh, they're all around us. They're right under our nose, you know. And then, if we, as especially the people that are thinking about overseas work. If you understand taking that gospel and getting down to its core um, seed and being able, if you're able to communicate that gospel uh, to another culture, crossing a cultural barrier, then you're more prepared Mm -hmm. to go overseas. Mm -hmm. You're the the prime candidate that anybody would say, oh, we need you. You know, mm-hmm. so really people need to practice doing this, you know, here in America before they 
ever go overseas, I think. Well, John, you have any final thoughts? I think our time is, is getting close here. Joel, we, man, really encouraged to hear your story and just uh, a story of faith and uh, how God has provided. And I mean, whether the workers for your church or the opportunities for you over there provided a wife and partner in this ministry and um, just appreciate your heart to continue serving, you know, 68 years old, going strong. And uh, I love hearing from people like you because that's that's my goal. I, I want to be a guy that's that's pressing on uh, through the finish line and not, as John likes to say, taking a, a knee and running out the clock. So appreciate your Let example. One more thing. If you do follow the Lord, he will bless you. I mean, my family's been blessed. I, sure, they had hard times, but I really feel they've been blessed. And um, we had we had difficulties. I mean, balancing ministry and family. You know, my by the way, my wife is very much involved with the grandkids. As we speak, she's in California with the grandkids, and uh, and son and daughter-in-law, and having a wonderful time. But you know. God will guide you on all that too. And he will bless you. You know, it's, it's going to be, of course, um, a spiritual battlefield that you're entering, but he will be with you all Amen. the way. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, good words to end on, you know, Jesus, you know, we talk about great commission participation, you know, Matthew 28 of surely I am with yeah. you always, even to the end of the age. That's how Jesus finishes you know, his yes. final words to his disciples. And so that's, uh, you know, important thing to remember of you know, whatever God asks us to do, he's going to be with us every step of the way. Amen. So, well, Joel, I'm waiting for some wedding dresses that they're arriving this week. So my main job is to be here when the wedding dresses arrive for my daughter. Oh man. So, okay. That's yeah, a big deal. She's getting married June 12th. The one that was in Nepal. Oh, wow. Okay. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Good stuff. Well, thanks again, Joel. Appreciate your work and just an opportunity to be able to chat with you today. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Mission Minded. For more information on today's topic and show notes, please visit our website, itechusa.org. Mission-Minded Podcast is produced by iTech. The goal of this podcast is to inspire conversations about Great Commission participation. The views, organizations, and individuals represented, interviewed, and discussed on the podcast do not necessarily represent an official position or formal partnerships with iTech.